0: The disease eats away your moral code, and it was starting to eat away my moral code.
1: Mental health and addiction are largely misunderstood. We often struggle in silence, but there is hope for a better life. I'm Trevor Steinhauser, and this is Stigmatized. Okay, today I am sitting across from a relentless, positive, <laughs> independent, strong woman.
0: I love that you S- said that,
1: Sarah Brown. Thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Um, you've been through the struggle. Yeah, you. Uh, You're still uh,
0: going through the struggle,
1: no doubt. But had uh, loss, disappointment. But you've now turned that around and are uh, inspiring thousands of people and myself included. And I'll tell you why later. Uh, But, um, yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you.
0: I'm so happy to be here.
1: So let's turn back the clock and just talk about, um, you know, where you're from Mm -hmm. and then just how, how things were on the way up.
0: Oh, I like that, how things were on the way up. So I'm from Cincinnati, grew up in Mount Lookout, uh, middle child of three, so definitely the peacemaker, Uh, older sister, younger brother. Um, My parents were older, so when they had us, they had me at 40 and my brother at 43 and my sister at 34. So they were a little bit older, which kind of changes the dynamic in the household. I think you have a more mature parent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they had, like, lived a life before they got married. So, but they also weren't interested in the things that didn't matter. You know, like they... In your life? In my life. They were interested in the thing. They, They had really strong values, like, you know... Religion, family, you know, all the basic
1: mm-hmm.
0: important things were monumental to them.
1: Happy and...
0: Um, that's a really good question. Yes, a ton of joy, but also hard times. So my dad uh, was sober before my parents got married, but then he got sick with cancer when I was young. So... I want to say sixth grade, which are pretty formative years. Yeah. Absolutely. And he was the breadwinner, right? So three kids at home. My mom stayed at home. My dad worked. And so a lot of really great times, but I think we had really great times because we had to appreciate what we had because we didn't have a ton of time with him. How old was
1: he when he got diagnosed?
0: um, I want to say he was in his 50s. Early 50s? Yeah. Is that right? Shitty. I'm not good with timing, yeah. but around there. Yeah. But he was so positive. That's the thing. I mean, it was some heavy stuff, but he was a really – he was super in touch with feelings, and, and you wouldn't have known known that. But I think through his AA program that he, he – who's highly evolved. That sounds sort of strange, but he was really – um. He had high emotional intelligence, I think is what I'm getting at.
1: Did, um, so, so that's, that had to weigh on you, e- even at, yeah. even at, you know, I have a daughter that's in sixth grade. So that would be extremely tough. Did that start any mental challenges as, as far as emotional? That's a better word. Yeah. Emotional kind um, of struggle?
0: No, I, I don't think it really did probably because uh my sister is she it it sparked well it, it did not spark she is a recovering alcoholic and her drinking kind of came out around that time and so and she was young she was in in her teenage years and i shouldn't probably tell her story but sure, she'd be well, fine with me telling yeah. but it, she was really young she got sober at 18 she got sober the first time at 15 and then relapsed for a little bit and then got sober again. So she, yeah. So the folk, like the family focus was on her health and getting better. And that was probably more traumatic for me than my dad getting sick. It was really hard. So the
1: family focus, even with him being sick, was your sister. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did he ever have a talk with you about? Drink, at, about alcoholism yeah. and genetics well, and all that kind of – That's not
0: true. Yeah, that everybody was educated in my family around the, your father is the disease, it's genetic, your grandfather on both sides had it, so you need to be aware of it. So a lot of education around alcoholism for sure. My sister, and she's lucky, she got to have more of those taught one-on-one talks with him because she got sober when he was still living, which is amazing. I didn't have that. I never got that. Right. She saw him and had a different relationship with him. For me, he was just dad for him, for her. He was a human. Yeah. And a good soul. He was a really good soul.
1: Unbelievable. I say this a lot, but the genetic part of this amazes me. It's real. I mean, how, you know, it, both sides and it just bounces down and, and it, Somehow it creeps in. Yeah. You know, now. I'm
0: and with- I think it's our responsibility to stop the, that, um, generational bleed almost. And mm-hmm. I do think my parents did a great job of, I mean, all three of us are sober and that's because of them educating. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I lost my dad at six. He was 63. Um, but oh, I, mu- I didn't
0: know he was so young, too. But I
1: was much older. I, mean, I was 28 when he passed. Yeah. So how yeah. old were you when he passed away?
0: Uh, 23.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. such a shitty, terrible thing. Um, yeah. So a- as as things got, you know, high school and was there, when did it creep its ugly head?
0: So high school was a typical... Um, High school experience, yes, we drank and smoked pot. I really didn't – I didn't do any drugs. I maybe smoked pot a couple times. It was mostly drinking and and cigarettes. And then – and it wasn't an issue at all. Like, and I can remember having conversations with my parents about it because I would always be worried, like, oh, my God, do I have it kind of thing. And so I think because I was hyper aware of it, they didn't think that I had a problem. So high school happened – uh college, I, I drank more than than most. I ironically, one of my roommates, she and I are both sober, and we were the two that drank a lot.
1: And I think that's that's such a hard time because everybody's binging.
0: Yeah, everybody was so binging
1: And looking back, I think I probably, I definitely had the allergy, for yeah, sure. Yeah, And I was probably drinking two to one of what my friends were drinking. But it's hard to tell because everybody's fucked up. Totally. Out of your mind. You want to
0: know what's so funny, too, is that my I had a, um allergy to yeast. And so I went on this non-yeast diet. And my mom sent me away to college with a bottle of vodka versus drinking beer. Wow. Yeah. Because we just didn't – I mean, I, I presented very – uh normally
1: is your mother in recovery or was she no 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 okay no so she didn't know she was giving you a molotov cocktail (laughs) (laughs) oh they go to college
0: is that great yeah big bottle smirnoff which is so foul anyway it was her favorite so college college i mean i'm sure there were signs but whatever there was everybody had those signs i was no different and then 20s hit and twenties, people are still partying. Absolutely, like I'm no different, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing drugs, and um, I'm just drinking. I wasn't a daily drinker. I I wasn't. I can't say I definitely did binge on the weekends, but it, w- it was normal. And then thirties hit, gets a little bit a little bit worse, right? But then forties hit, and it really takes a toll, and just on my i i i tell people that and and i have to watch what i say here my alcoholism is is a lot of people's stories but we don't hear that story all the time i quit drinking before it got to a place where i you know wrecked a car wrecked a marriage whatever but it was it was still debilitating and Getting sober is just as challenging for me as it is for the guy that was drinking every day. I might not have had the physical things at first, but the mental obsession You don't is have to there. drink every day. No. You don't
1: have to suck vodka out of a freezer at three AM to yeah. be an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, and and people that don't know about it. Yeah. Out of no fault of their own think that that's what it is. Right. Is that your you know?
0: Because Trevor, like none of my friends Gary knew all
1: the time. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's just not
0: that. No, and and I think it surprised a lot of friends. It surprised some family. Me- a lot of family members. My sister and brother, I told first because my parents were both deceased when I got sober. So I texted them, and my sister said, "Get a big book," and my brother said, "Well, then just quit." <laughs> so awesome. So him. So yeah.
1: Is that what he did? Just quit?
0: Kind of, sorta. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe. No, he did a program too. But, but,
1: but back in the, uh, you know, back to twenties, late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, it is still hard. I've, I have people that I work with and are friends with. Yeah, that are 26, 27, 28, and they can't kick it. No, because it is still binge time. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you think you might have an issue. It's hard to tell and it's easy to hide. It's really
0: hard to tell.
1: You go to weddings and everybody's blasted. So, I mean, it's so that everybody's like your sister getting sober at 15 and then eight, like 18. I just heard a lead the other night. Yeah. Woman is 50, got sober at 15. Blows my freaking mind. I just, given the opportunity, I don't know if I would have been able to do it. But it's just, everybody's story is different, just like you said. But it's just, those are tough times. And even, even 30s and so for you was there a so Sarah has a podcast which we're going to talk about called Failing Forward which is amazing Thank but you. I just uh, I listened to your episode which selfishly I love because I Thank love you. you know personal interest stories but um you got a degree in counseling
0: Yeah I have a masters in counseling
1: Did you what did you get your undergrad Do you know
0: what I was just telling my sponsor the other day was that I'm getting my master's in counseling. They have me do an internship. I looked at two substance abuse programs to do an internship for. I chose one at the VA instead of this First Step Women's Home. And she's like, that's interesting that you chose chemical dependency. I didn't go into that. But you know what it was? It was like at home for me because I understood the disease model. I I knew it from growing up.
1: Now, did you typical undergrad right into a masters in your mid 20s?
0: Yeah, I worked for maybe a year or two. Was yeah. there,
1: okay, so it wasn't that you had the allergy as much as you knew it or you think there was maybe something
0: I don't in know. There. I mean, I, clearly I was attracted to it, right? Right. And and it was they were doing research, the VA was doing research. So it was it was a research study that I got to do, but I yeah. But, you know, also they were veterans, which I thought was really interesting because of the PTSD piece. And I remember calling my sister uh, because one of the patients that I was working with, um, she had gone to grade school with. And he was inappropriate. He was hitting on me, but he was also lying about a lot of stuff. And my sister was like, "Sades, he's totally lying to you. Um, and this is what alcoholism will do to somebody and for some reason i've never forgotten that and people that don't understand alcoholism like they'll say well what, how could they lie to me or do anything like that the the disease eats away your moral code and it was starting to eat away my moral code
1: yeah it yeah it absolutely that's when and i i like to talk about this but it doesn't go straight to an addiction, you know you're dependent, yeah, so once you get to the point of no return, so to speak, that's when you're lying and stealing yeah. and, and doing stuff yeah. that you normally wouldn't would have done because do. i would i am a I have a moral code, I'm yeah. a good person i' yeah. you know I had great parents, I grew up, but I turned into a shithead scumbag, you know, yeah. do because I had to feed it, yes, you know,
0: and even like i i I wasn't I didn't get to the point of stealing or blatantly lying to others, but I was lying to myself and that's just as bad. Mm -hmm. And I was not connected. This is my take. I wasn't spiritually connected to myself or my higher power or, you know, others. I was so focused on myself. And it was it's just and I still have to work on that.
1: Any self esteem issues? Oh my god, throughout throughout Oh, my God. Which is kind of a common thread with a lot
0: of us. Huge, in high school and in grade school. Not pretty enough, not skinny enough, Mm -hmm. not smart enough. I always could do – I was funny and I I could make a friend, right? But no, no, not not very high self-esteem. And you know what um, is interesting, Trevor, and this is something that I learned this week, is that even at 46 (laughs) – there are times where I still want to fit in and the fitting in piece or when I feel or perceive that I don't fit in makes me want to drink still. And I have to look at that.
1: I mean, this is a journey. Yeah. Forever journey, you know, but um, yeah, I had the same thing. Very inadequate and didn't felt I was just a misfit, you know? Yeah. But girls are mean. It had to be even more difficult. Uh,
0: actually, no. I had, like, my best friends today are still my friends from high school. That's who I went on my trip with last weekend. So, no, I had a really, really strong support group. That's good. For sure. You know, I was telling my sister, though, I don't think my parents really got it because they were um, – they were – World War II babies, they actually before World War II, excuse me, and like the the whole like self esteem thing wasn't, it was you work, you do the right thing, you go to church, you do you know what I mean, so they never addressed that self esteem thing. It was yeah, my like,
1: dad was the same way Vietnam, right? Sweet man, yes. But just I would try and come to him and say I don't feel something's not right. Yeah, in my, you know, and it was I get would a hot, too get a my hot mom. shower. Yeah, you know, rub some dirt on it, you know, and not in a prick way. Just didn't get it. Maybe didn't want to go there. Stigma. I mean, you know, we're not gonna. We don't have crazy people in our family, right? Type. So this
0: is this is vulnerable thing for me. But I, my senior year in high school, I told my parents I wanted to get a nose job, and nobody was doing that back then. And it was like my cousin had gotten one, so my parents kind of knew. But my mom literally thought I was sinning. Because I was changing something God had created. Hmm. And I paid for it with my own I inherited a small amount of money from a great aunt that passed away. And I I paid for it. But she went out of town. She was already going out of town. My so she didn't take care of me. My dad took care of me. Um but I know that she just wasn't okay with it, you know. She thought I was making the wrong decision. And I'll tell you what, it was the greatest decision I ever made. Because my self esteem, when I went away to college, I I built it up from that. I just could recreate myself.
1: Especially going to a clean slate, totally from high school to college. Yeah,
0: and I even remember coming back, and people were like, "God, God, you look so great! You look so happy!" And I I was. But she didn't, and and I let let me just tell you, I adore my mother. She was a great mom and she gave everything she could, but she couldn't handle that. Clearly, she she left. And she was a really strong person, but she didn't think I was making the right decision.
1: And you're a very strong person. Now, when you say you focused on yourself, was that like determination, always been crazy determined and independent? Or were you focused on yourself like the self-esteem yeah. Petty party shit.
0: Self-esteem, I'm not lovable. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, more that.
1: Okay. Because
0: I don't think the determination portion came out, although I'm sure some friends would disagree with me. But I don't think that determination came out until the last like 10 years.
1: Yeah. What flipped that switch?
0: Um. I think my sister and I have talked about this before. I think in high school my parents had good expectations for me but not high whereas my brother they had very high expectations for him, right? They believed he could do XYZ. For me it was like, well you work hard and and so that's good enough kind of thing. And this is not a bad a bad thing. They just they were they were very loving to me, but they didn't push me or drive me. And I had torn my ACL in grade school and i was really athletic so in the sixth grade when it was torn I, I, back then you couldn't get acl surgery and then go play sports again so i had to wait three years No oh, shit yeah and to have a very active young girl mm. who has a lot of self-esteem from ex from soccer and softball every sport right. and then to not have that and then in high school i think i was just so focused on like fitting in That I didn't give myself higher expectations or goals. And then. Same way. Is it the same way?
1: I mean, not injury, but mine was marijuana. Oh. I mean, it's heavy pot smoking. Yeah. Which led to, and I didn't have to.
0: Laziness. And I didn't
1: have to do shit for myself ever.
0: No, I had to do shit for myself. I a wealthy
1: family. And I mean, I didn't, my ass wasn't, it got powdered pretty good, but it, you know, I just. Again, not pushing, you know, be a good person, that yeah. kind of stuff. But I was the baby too. And yeah. I And I played that card hard. Right. But I didn't ever... Have to do anything? Never worked in high school. Worked in the summers. Worked worked in the summers in high school. Yeah. Summers in college. No, but no. A, at a family business where I could take naps right, right. in the attic, <laughs> you know, which I did. Uh, but No, so I mean, it just same two different ways of getting there. Yeah, Un, but underachieving and not pushing. underachieving. Yes. Well,
0: I would just say I was just like semi-achieving. I wasn't underachieving. Like I got Bs in high school. I I just but like. There was no one saying, you can be more. And then when I hit my 20s, I was like, I can be more. Why am I not, like, the world is my oyster. I was probably 30s, actually. But, yeah. And I think it was other people saying that. And then finally believing it myself.
1: And then, so, so back to this. Was it social work? Or, like, was there a counseling master's back then, or was it social work?
0: It's counseling master's, yeah. Okay. Clinical counseling.
1: What made you not want to do that as a career?
0: Yeah, so I did it. So you um, did do it. So I got my master's, and then I worked. Um, I had a couple internships. One was um, adolescent therapy, outpatient. And I um, got really attached to this young boy who was um, raped and molested by an uncle. And um, I was devastated from that, and just was uh, heartbroken. I mean, I would drop this kid off at his house after therapy, you know, like. So, um, I just thought I can't. I I emotionally, I I, I cannot do this. So I went and worked for juvenile court for the detention facility 2020 it's called here and that's the address that's why it's called that but it's a juvenile detention facility and i loved the concept i you know um abnormal psychology i Mm -hmm. was really interested in and so corrections was fascinating to me and it was a little edgy and everything so i worked there and we managed all the kids who were either suicidal or who had mental illness and this is the early 2000s so people are starting to come in and getting incarcerated not because you know they're they're having behavioral issues or what but because they've got some mental health stuff and i loved that work but there was nowhere for me to grow there and and frankly i wanted to start making more money i was kind of like i don't make squat no that's for sure. I, I was like i've done my service work yeah for the world mm-hmm. and now i want to do more and so um C- executive coaching, coaching, and training and development. And this were is the simultaneous connection.
1: with this f- determination kind of upswing.
0: Yes, I didn't even wh- think about wh- that. Which is which is yeah. really cool.
1: Uh, You're exactly and, right because I
0: remember thinking I'm going to ask for I want to make more money and I'm going to ask for that. Like it never dawned. That was my mid twenties. Had to be a liberating. It was. Yeah. I totally I'm forgot still about never that.
1: Had that. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, that's okay. So,
0: God, that's really good. I never. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's I don't know that that had to also do wonders for going there and asking and getting and started. You know, basically started from you know a career from nothing as far yeah. as like corporate America type stuff.
0: Yeah. No, and then I moved into I went into healthcare and did training and development and. Which you still do? No, I just moved out of that. Yeah. You did? I did. So and I'm um, way off, man. No, Sorry no, no. no. I, I mean, this is checked. in the last um two months. So again, one of those things where I'm like, okay, I've hit my threshold. I want to do something different. And I said to my manager, hey, I'd really like to move into the operations side, into sales side. And they were like, Well, we like what you've been doing. So they moved, they created a position for me. And so I'm, I'm heading up sales enablement, which is kind of what I did. But it's like, how do you make our producers more productive? But it was—I definitely—it's another phase where I had to kind of say, you know what, I—I I do have talents and gifts, and I want to add value to this company and help grow it. And where I am right now, I'm—I've kind of hit a ceiling, and I want to do more. And so, got to awesome. ask for it.
1: Congratulations! Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Okay, so you're married. Yeah. In your 20s?
0: No. Got married at um, 32.
1: Okay. Yep. And then let's talk about the business that you started.
0: Blown. That one.
1: Which, first of all, can you explain that to all of us? (laughs) I I just, as you talked about it with Jamie, it was, I I still didn't get. Okay. So
0: um, there are. Blow-dry bars, which is where women go, get their hair washed and styled. It's kind of like a nail salon, but you just get a blowout. And the purpose of it is your hair will look – will la- the blowout will last longer than if you did it yourself. It's hard to blow out your own hair, especially if you have thick hair. So – and actually thin too because it's hard.
1: What do you think it would do for me?
0: Well, you might come in for a hot towel and <laughs> yeah. get your, your beard.
1: Yeah. Uh, you would need a uh, – some nuclear kind of –
0: Shaved. Yeah. 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 So – there's a new business here. I had gone to one out west, and this determination thing somebody said to me, "Why don't we have one in Cincinnati?" And I was like, Why um, don't we and it was awesome, and then it wasn't awesome,
1: okay, so let's let's go through it. yeah, it's a new idea
0: it's a new idea um it's an it's so it's a totally new brand ca- category for the city, like nobody was doing it yet, maybe one or two, but not really. And um, it's – so you you have to create a habit around something, right? Like women get their nails done. People work out. Go to yoga. You know what I mean? They create a habit around it. And we didn't have enough capital to keep it open so that people could build a habit. I wish there were still ones open today. I wish we had one today. I just went to one when I was in
1: So you had to shut it down.
0: We had to shut it down.
1: But even though that it was a disappointment or a failure, Failure. as you would say, yes, um, it turned out to be great. Yeah. And you talk about not wanting, talking about every turn you would take driving there and not being happy. Um, So it was a blessing in disguise, double-edged sword kind of a thing for a while, I guess you would say. So how long from...
0: Beginning start to, to finish yeah i think it was like three and a half four years from planning and everything like that and
1: did you just start losing oh we were hemorrhaging cash,
0: or- yeah. cash. yeah i mean which was just hemorrhaging it was just yeah but i like i learned how to hire people and to train people more i mean i kind of already knew that i learned how to fire people who weren't happy what they were doing Mm -hmm. or weren't serving the customer the, the way that we expected to serve the customer uh i i learned how to market a business and how to like read a balance sheet you know like i i learned a lot and the most of all i learned that i could not do any of it on my own and i think that was probably the hardest thing because i was so used to doing stuff on my on my own
1: And that's what year to what year?
0: Um, 2000. I'm gonna get these wrong. It closed in 2017, so I guess 2013. Yeah, because I, yeah, I turned 40 around the time that we had opened it.
1: Where was the drinking at that point? What was? Did did you see an uptick? Yeah, with with that kind of
0: for sure. So my mom died. Uh, the week we were supposed to open mm. and um, oh, it was crazy my sweet business partner she was so patient um, the day my mom the the morning after my mom died like literally my siblings were helping us like move into blown while my sister is at the funeral home like my brother and brother-in-law and Dave were all helping us move into blown it was crazy uh,
1: and trying to grieve
0: and uh, right, what does that even mean i i know I'm, like seriously yeah, I know. there was no gr- there was there was little to no grieving there was drinking and there was working
1: so were you just going to happy hours more often staying longer were you doing it underneath the cover of night by yourself or anything like that?
0: Um, not really. Probably more happy. I mean, we were we would do happy hours a lot, uh, but I would say my weekends were more benders and just like really cutting loose on weekends. Right. And and then I did start to do. I remember the Oscars were out, and I I got hammered by myself watching the Oscars, and like was texting and talking to friends. And I know one of my friends knew that I was drunk. I'm sure she was like, "What are you doing?" Because I was totally by myself. So that was an uptick, yeah.
1: Right. So what was the? <clears throat> what was what? What did it? What was the straw that broke the camel's back, or um, know, whatever kind of pun you want to.
0: Yeah, use? I uh, was. I would get volatile when I drank, and Dave, my husband as he says, didn't know who he was going to get at the end of the night. And I was mostly, I I knew, I mean, when I would go out, I'd be pissed off before I went out. And then I'd drink to make myself not be pissed off, but I was really pissed off. And so it would just come out later in the night and I would just get mean, like really mean. So um, I had noticed that my anxiety was getting worse. And I was like telling Dave and friends, like, I'm not going to drink because my anxiety is getting worse. So I'm I'm just cutting it off. I'm moderating it, and I just couldn't do it. moderating it was awful <laughs> to me. Moderating, I understand it? Yeah, it's worse than just quitting. It's the worst. And I was just like, I mean, you know the feeling. You're just out of your skin. You're it's disgusting. A wreck. Yes. And uh, so we went to the country club for dinner. I had a really cold martini. And I remember going down and thinking, oh, God, life is just so good right now, which was a total lie. And everything was glimmering, right? And then that night, I call it a brownout because I didn't really have blackouts, but I had clothes <laughs> to black out. Like if you reminded me, I would remember. And I picked a fight with Dave. Not really sure what it was about, and then I kind of remember getting a little physical with him, which is not me. Oh, let me also say that when we would get into fights, I would write down in my phone why I was pissed off, why he was wrong and I was right, so that I could remember it the next day. Remember. Yeah, because I knew I wouldn't remember. Reporter, if- <laughs> totally, totally, which is disgusting. So we got in a fight, went to bed, woke up the next morning like,
1: e uh. Ooh.
0: And I, um, I I guess I said to him, uh, is everything okay? Or I, I guess I, I, I don't even know. He told me now, because I don't remember it correctly, that I said, are we going to be okay? And he said, not if you keep drinking. And I remember him saying, I'm worried about your drinking. doesn't matter what or how he said it. But at that point... I I just knew that was it. It and had to be. You just did it. it on your own. No, I, I did the first couple. I mean, of days. aside
1: from the twelve step fellowship, right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No yeah. rehab. No.
0: No rehab. I yeah. I quit that day. Um, told my siblings, it was the worst day of my life. Really. I was so I mean sad. I'm sorry.
1: That, that was stupid no. for me to say it like that. No, because But because, because you had to tell your siblings or no, just- No, it was the
0: worst day because it was like giving up a best friend. Oh, it is a best friend. Right? Mm. And I was like, I am going to miss you. And my life is never going to be happy again. Totally. Which is a lie.
1: It's a total lie. That's but, what the
0: brain does, yeah. is it lies to you. Because my life has been 50 times richer- Than it ever was before I quit drinking. The things that I... Like the podcast, Trevor, would not have happened if I did not stop drinking. Okay, so... Work wouldn't be so great. My marriage wouldn't be so great.
1: Yeah, and you turned the corner. But now, successful career, marriage is back on track, and the podcast, which I want to talk about again. Okay. Okay, so what... When was the bug in your ear? What? What?
0: So I think this was a total God thing. I do not remember the bug. I remember having a conversation with Carolyn Michelle, who is my dear friend, who works at Scripps, and I was telling her that I wanted to do something positive with the podcast. And I, I had a coach who was like, not with the podcast, positive about blown. And my coach was like, you need to do something positive with this because you're just like pissed. So I was telling my friend that, I was telling Carolyn that, and I was like, you know, I did this podcast like 10 years ago on women's le- women leaders and I love podcasts. Maybe I should do one. And she was like, yes, you should. And she encouraged me and it just, everything fell into place. Gwyn Sound, I knew Dan Crothers. He was like, we'll record it. I was like, what? And then um, I started going to AA meetings and I started hearing these incredible speakers. And my first Episode, my first guest was Tony Miller, who I literally met in a room. I didn't even know him when I invited him.
1: I just met him two weeks ago. Yeah. For the first time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was nuts. But it what was. What a dude
1: to meet for your like oh coming in, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Like none of this I did on my own. Like people so, are like, oh my God, you're, this is amazing. Like you're so good at it. I'm like, it's not me. But, it's not,
1: but you can't. I mean, it was. There it, was well, I mean, I took it and ran there, with it, right. but,
0: but it literally, it wasn't. It did wasn't. you
1: sit on? Did you sit on the idea? at all with, you know, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I'm selfishly, I'm talking about myself. Yeah. Was there any of that where you you milled it around and am I going to be able to do this? Will I be good enough? Is it going to be successful? All the, you know, and I know you also talk about, you know, control freak and all over the place, which, you know, I'm the same way. Yeah. Was there any of that apprehension or did you just say, screw it, let's
0: do it? No, there was no apprehension on that because I had no... I literally had no preconceived notions around. It. I wasn't attached to it at all. The work, changing jobs, because I switched jobs early in sobriety and I really had to like take a pause and make sure that that was the right thing to do because I didn't want to be jumping around. You know how when people get sober, they kind of jump around and do a bunch of stuff. And I I really had to make sure that that was, that was right. But uh, n- no, I didn't. Now, the podcast... Like I still think the podcast can be even more and I'm still sc- – I'm scared about different things for the podcast. Never around getting guests on or anything like that. It's more growing it. Like is it good enough to people like it? It's more of that.
1: Okay. So let's just set the table. It's called Failing Forward. Oh, yes. It's and called the, Failing Forward. And the idea behind it.
0: <clears throat> is – yep. Interviewing people, successful people and uh, – what were some failures that launched them into success and what have they learned? And it's currently Cincinnati centric. So somebody that lived here or currently lives here. Yeah.
1: And I, you know, you're excellent Thank as you. a host. Thank you. First of all, but you're interviewing this whole podcast thing is crazy Yeah, because, you know, you, you ask people who don't really know you from Adam and they say, yes, I know. And they want to spread the word. But you're getting these people on who have their business titans, a, a lot of them, you know, that yeah. are very, very successful. Yeah. But you get them in, in your own very, what, and Jamie said this, very non, not pushy Thank and you. no agenda, but you get them to talk about failures besides business failures and get vulnerable which yeah. is what people need to hear especially somebody that's struggling to make a career for themselves yeah. or or anything so
0: or somebody that's in a transition you know who maybe wants to switch jobs or wants to try something new or or is in a crisis themselves and the, the I want to always keep the purpose of it which is to inspire Others to either make a change or to do something differently, and I, I don't ever want to lose that piece How, of it.
1: Do you feel like you could, or it was ever going that way?
0: Um, no, I I don't. I just I just don't want to ever lose. Be true to yourself. Yeah, yeah. That has to always be my guiding star,
1: even if. Even if that might, I don't know, I don't know, sacrifice guests or, you know, cause yeah. I, in, yeah. in mine, Cause I do I've a had... lot of professionals as well as, you know, stories with people that have been through the struggle. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm always going to do that, even yeah. though, you know, it, it might not be as exciting to have somebody on every week, but... Education and awareness is huge. Yeah. And I know that's the the, the same for you,
0: but. Yeah, I, you're right. I don't want to, like, I don't want to sacrifice the mission or purpose for um, clickbait, yeah. you know, or for a showy story. Or-, or
1: when, you know, advertisers and sponsorships come, which they will. And you said, and I'm this exact same way, As I will not, even if it's a million bucks, if it's somebody that I don't believe in, yeah. I will not do it. And totally. You, and, and you're the, the same way, which is, and that's big. Yeah. But when the rubber meets the road, that's where we really got to stick to our guns and say, hey, I'm not going to take something right. if it, if it doesn't out. align with my values and, and things like that. So. Yeah. So you have, so you're you release every other week.
0: We release every other Thursday. Yes. And how
1: many you have done, recorded we have and released? Fifty,
0: uh, maybe fifty-four. I think. Yeah, because your story was the 50th, fifty. which yeah. is
1: such a cool idea.
0: That uh, okay, never an idea, just happened. Like my the person that does marketing and social media for me, she's like, we should probably make yours the fiftieth because it's coming up. I'm like, oh my god, okay, great. I wasn't like okay, great. I was actually like, I don't want to put it out.
1: <laughs> did you ever think? Did you ever think even starting it that should I do mine? Where should I do mine? Should it be my first? Or
0: yeah, no, I was never even planning on doing mine. And then I just kept getting. This is where it's good to listen to your listeners mm-hmm. because they were like, you know, it'd be really good if you shared your story. So they that's know who you that are. Was why yeah
1: you know and yeah. then seeing you get vulnerable and talk about your stuff mm-hmm. it was hard um, absolutely i did the i same. was nervous i did the same thing but it's
0: who interviewed you on here my
1: friend aaron she i worked with her okay yeah on here yeah
0: Nice. and it was
1: i mean it was a random number i think it was our 18th or something but i came in here and recorded by myself bart and i i was here and i just told my story to a microphone
0: Oh my God, that's and so then, hard.
1: But then a friend of mine said, "Nope, you got to do it like you do it. You got to have somebody interview you. You got to scrap that because you got to, you know, you got to do what you do and, yeah. be, and be true to Model the show." It. Yes, and I don't want to, you know, who am I to just tell my story? But I didn't know. I knew I needed to do it, but at that time I said, you know, maybe I would just come in and tell my story. I mean, but I'm so glad. I did it that way. Yeah, felt much more natural uh, with a person that uh, great interviewer and a very inquisitive knows me.
0: Right, and, and I didn't even know who I was going to have do it either. Like that just sort of came one. about. He did. It a was really great. great job. It was really great. He Did a great job.
1: Um, but yeah. So where do you see this going? Are, yeah, I mean, are you in it to win it?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm never going anywhere. <laughs> No, uh, I just want to keep putting out great stories again that inspire people to to make a change. And I am working on. Somebody had given me. I think Rob McDonald maybe told me about Fail Fest, which were in different cities, hmm. and these. It was probably like five years ago, and that's kind of been in the back of my brain. So what I'm hopefully working on is a women's retreat called Authentic Camp. So that yeah, you can. Um, is that a
1: Sarah Brownanism?
0: Well, my friend, my friend Michaela Heiken. Thank you, Michaela. She's an she's an author. She came up with it, and it's it's all focused around getting to authentic self, uh, getting rid of the should would coulds, and getting to you know what your true north is and who you are, because I f- I'm finding that. I'm doing, I'm doing some coaching on the side, which I really love. So I do it on the weekends, which is great. But I'm finding with the people that I'm coaching, their challenge is who am I and what am I really good at? And then how do I want to, like, give my gift back to the world through work? It's mostly women who are trying to find a job or move into a different job. And so this Authentic Camp, I don't know, it's really been speaking to me. And, and Failing Forward is so much a part of that. Mm-hmm. You gotta really understand yourself and and what struggles you've had because that builds resiliency and, and and also tells us what what we can be really good at. So that was a long answer. Sorry, no, but it's that was awesome. That's my next thing. <clears throat> and
1: I will tell you. So I self-esteem. You talk about still not fit. Think yeah. having fleeting thoughts of that. I, I still am and still do. But in 2015, when I got sober. I'd, always, I'd been thinking about this. Yeah. But it was, I'm not, there's no way it'll work. There's no way I'm gonna, there's no freaking way. Who, who the hell am I? And that was 2016, 2017, 2018. And I just wouldn't pull the trigger. So we have a mutual friend. Yes. And I kept, we would have lunch or talk on the phone. I would just whine like I would whine and yeah. say, Man, I want to do a podcast so bad, but I'm just, God, it's, who that would listen to me? It's not good enough. And finally, she said, shut up. Do it. I have a friend who does it. And you need to listen to her podcast. I'll hook you up with her. And then she put, a, I, and I finally sent a post out that said, does anybody, okay. So I bought $1,000 worth of equipment.
0: Yeah, yeah. It
1: came home to my kitchen table. I, and I, could
0: you, can I just tell you something? I think that's so crazy because I love your podcast. And I can't believe that you, for a minute, thought that you were not, back then, good enough to do it. Uh,
1: I've never really believed in myself. But anyway. Are
0: you working on that? Yes. Okay. You yeah. know I'm going to hold a, you to it's that. It's
1: a slow go. But anyway, I fi- so I finally, I bought all this stuff and I looked at my wife and I said, I know me there's not a chance right I'm gonna edit you're me too you know yeah and there's so it's such a small percentage of podcasts that make it and I think that has a lot to do with it
0: yes so I was like
1: I gotta get a second opinion about doing this somewhere and so I put a post out that said where can you know anybody know any good recommendations for a studio yeah and then Christina yeah put out Sarah Brown what are your thoughts and you put Gwen Sound No, you know, all day. And so I called him, I think a day, day or two later and came and the rest is history. But you were my model. So I I listened to the show and the music and the intro. I'm like, yes. Yeah. So it was, it was sort of serendipitous. And then, uh, yeah, so it, that was my kind of my guiding light of, you know, and kick my butt into the studio and did it. And, um, you know, it's, it's satisfying you know, you get the artwork yeah. done and you you do all this stuff. And even though you had help, you do it yourself. Right. You build it and it's tough. You know, it's not easy. So you look back and you're like, man, it's happening. I know. So it's uh, – I have you to thank for a right. lot of my Thanks, getting right. off my butt and, and doing it. So um, – and I know you help thousands of people and um, and I'm sure you get feedback as such. So –
0: we get some pretty good feedback. Yeah. But again, like, the yes, I, I know I, I I do the action part. I do the work, right? But it's not a me thing. I just, it's really, a it's a higher power thing, a God thing, whatever you want to call it. Because every one of those stories that I have, and you know this, it's the same with your show. You don't know exactly what they're going to talk about when they get on that show. And then when they come on, they share the message they're supposed to share. And we cannot produce that right you just it just you just open to it right and i think i mean i think that's like i I think with my sobriety it happened because i was open to it it couldn't have happened a year before a day before or an hour before i that was the moment in time that i was open to it and i think it's the the struggles that we have and the experiences that god creates so that we are open I saw um, there was a guy that came in and went to a 6 a.m. meeting this morning, and um, one man had 40 years and and one man had one year. And the guy that had one year, because I was there when he first came in, where he was when he came in like the first day and where he is today at one year is like night and day. And I said to him, like, you are like a flower that whose bloom has opened up or a star that's shining bright because when he came in, he was not shining bright and it was because it was the right time.
1: And it's the and hardest thing open. that you ever do. Yeah. For somebody that, that goes through it. And, uh, yeah. So, so the, the one years, the one day, I mean, they get bigger cheers than you know, right. coins for 25, 30. Yeah. You know, it's so those the rooms and the support groups and stuff. You, you can't do it without it, but, no. um, Well, I really value your friendship and I'm so glad coming off a a week of, of heavy travel and stuff. You, you were gracious enough to come down and sit with me
0: and I can't Uh, wait for you to get on mine. Well, we got to book that tonight, man. Let's do it. Okay. Let's
1: do it. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I want to thank everyone that makes this show possible production by Gwen sound artwork by Neltner Smallbatch. small batch and photography by John Willis and Lindsay Steinhauser. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Visit our website for more information at stigmatizedpodcast.com.